0: part two of life after the pandemic. We started this teaching on last Sunday and we're going to hopefully finish the teaching today. Um, This teaching is out of Hagar chapter one. And I really believe as I've been praying that God was telling me that this is the word that we need as we're getting back to life after the pandemic. So if you would, I'm going to read the verses of Scripture from Hagar chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I'm reading them this morning from the New King James Translation. Then we're going to pray, and we're going to get right into the teaching of God's Word. If you would, uh, Hagar chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It reads as follows In the second year of King Darius in the sixth month on the first day of the month the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel governor of Judah and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest saying Thus speaks the Lord the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Verse 3, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Verse 5, Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse six, you have so much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Amen. If you would bow your heads with me, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we bless you and honor you for the privilege of this hour to speak your word. God, as your mouthpiece today, I yield and ask you to use me with all freedom that you need to accomplish your end as we teach this word. God, I ask you to open every ear, every heart, every mind, and every spirit. Use me that your word gets through to your people. God, we're here for you. We bless you. We honor you and we give you the praise. And we ask you to bless your people as they open their heart and receive your word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we said that this is part two. We started uh, this teaching last week entitled Life After the Pandemic. And we were out of this same text using the prophet Haggai to talk about life after their bondage in Babylon. And and, uh, I I want you to to walk with me today because after I've examined this text, uh, I saw so many similarities to where we are today as we're coming out of the pandemic. Last week, we learned how God's people had spent 70 years in Babylonian captivity, away from their God-given homeland of Jerusalem. We also learned that God used a pagan king by the name of Cyrus to release them from captivity so that they could return to Jerusalem. But it was important to remember <clears throat> excuse me, that God released them because he gave them instructions. He said, when you get back home, I want you to build my temple. That was his first assignment to them when they returned home. There, It was specific and they needed to be obedient to his instruction. Listen, I want you to be aware that many times when God is doing something for us, not everybody latches on at the same time. There was a host of Jews that were in captivity in Babylon. But when the release came, only a remnant left Babylon to return home with the idea that they would rebuild the temple. Well, though the remnant started rebuilding the temple, last week we learned that after two years they stopped and they went about building their homes and and, and, and basically focusing upon things that they thought were important, leaving the temple undone. And as we learned last week, that temple laid unfinished for 14 years as the remnant devoted their time to building their homes, businesses, and other of their life wants. And they might have even described them as their life needs. Listen, I'm sharing this for a reason. The pandemic is coming to an end. Pastors are talking about how when they return to their churches, they look up and there are many that are not yet back in the church. A lot of folk have gotten accustomed to if they're in church at all, if they're paying attention to their church at all. They're they're accustomed to doing it in their PJs. They're accustomed to doing it from home, and they have not reached the point that they're willing to go back. Listen, I can tell you as a pastor, there are many folk that I don't see any evidence that they are are keeping up with their churches. Uh, uh, Sometimes they might call for prayer. Sometimes they might um, give a quick call for a need but in terms of really following the teaching, Bible study, it's not going on. And and so when I looked at this text, I saw so clearly that God made it a point to tell us that although he had released his people to return, only a small number returned back to Jerusalem. It's important family for us to remember that God has blessed us, kept us, made a way for us. Oh, we went through something through the pandemic, just like the Jews went through something in their 70 years of captivity. But the bottom line is that God released them. And, and for you and me, God is releasing us and, and he wants us to get back. I believe Hebrews 10, 25 says, for in sake not the assembling of the saints of God, What he wants us to understand is that there is accountability when the saints come together in the church. There is a a, a way where we can look at one another and hold one another accountable. Sometimes we read on our own and we get it wrong, but when we're in the house, when we're in the family, when the, the trust relationship in the fellowship is being built up we might be able to help bring everyone on board where we are catching what God is saying, and someone is not marching off in a strange, a different, and even an incorrect direction. And so God wanted the people to return to Jerusalem and only a remnant returned. I'm throwing that out there because many folk are trying to say, well, it's not time for me to go back. Yes. Well, okay. I understand if you're saying that you're still not comfortable with the pandemic, but don't forget, God called us back to the church. Last week, family, we we, we started, I shared that there were three points that I wa- wanted you to get as we went through this message. I'm gonna raise those points again, and then we're gonna finish up today. Number one, God is more involved in our lives than we may ever consider. We devoted almost all of our attention to that last week. So I'm not going back there today. Uh, points two and three is where we expect to close out today. Point two, God knows our heart. And part three, God knows when we are using him and when we are loving him. Oh God, I, I know that there are many of you today sitting there and you know the difference. You know folk who have, have told you how important you were to them. But the reality is when, when uh, the rubber hit the road, you discovered that you were important to them for what they could get. But when they, uh, you were not useful to them, they moved on because it really wasn't love. It was about what they could get. And God knows when we are loving him and he knows when we are using him. So let's go back to the text. Today, we're going to start where we left off in verse 2 of Haggai chapter 1. Let's read that together. This is the King James. It says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come the time that the Lord's house should be built. I want to just mention this. We we touched on it last week. Uh, I, I don't want you to miss this point. When God says, this people, there is sort of the idea of contempt or even disparagement in those words. Uh, how do you know that, teacher? Well, I know that because uh, God had made covenant promises to his people. And part of that covenant promise was that when they returned home, they would be moving into and able to possess the promises that God had made to them. There was a covenant agreement that God had made with his people. And yet, not all of them returned home. As I said, only a remnant. And even the remnant, When they got home, devoted only two years, the job was incomplete, and then their attention was entirely on what met their need without considering and remembering the covenant agreement that they had with God, their Heavenly Father. Well, think about that. When he says, this people say, why would he say this people? Why wouldn't he say my people say? Well, in my opinion, it's pretty simple. This people, because they really were not focused and committed to the uh, uh, agreement that they had with God when he returned them home. Otherwise, God, I believe, would have said, my people say, but if it was his people, then they would not have said that time is not right for building the house that you told us to build God. I hope you're catching what I just said, because too often we make excuses because we have our own idea of what we want. And we easily push God aside, do our thing. But when we have a need for him, we call on him. Watch this. You've been in exile for 70 years. The homeland that God has given you is a long ways off. You've been under the control of foreigners who could care less about you and even more or less about your God. In fact, these foreigners have been sowing seeds into your heart, your mind, your spirit, and your life. And these were godless ideas that were taking you away from everything that you had learned when you were in God and now you've made yourself at home, away from the things that God has been teaching you. I don't know if you're picking this up. I'm saying you, but I'm talking about every believer because we can easily be distracted from what God has called us to because we've gotten caught up in the world that we're living in. Listen, they have picked up new values, Uh, They had become comfortable in in being away from God, being away from their homeland. Uh, The very place that God had miraculously established for them and made available to them had literally lost its value to them. So much so that when he said, I'm clearing the path, it's time to go home now. Only a few folk, a remnant, even bothered to return home because they were comfortable where they were. How many folk are feeling me this morning? I I, I know I'm speaking to somebody who's gotten comfortable being at home, having church. In fact, some of you have even stopped showing up on a regular basis, even for the broadcast. Why? Because so many other things are going on in your life. And you have allowed them to move to the top of the list. And God is somewhere down the list. He may be there, but his urgency and his important to you has begun to diminish. And and, and I want you to understand that God is saying, look, I realize I know your heart and I have lost my place of value in you. I've even lost your heart. You, you, You know about me. You talk about me. You tell folk that you are a believer, but where are you? My assignments are not being completed. I'm not finding you with the same level of worship. I'm not finding you in reading my word. I'm not finding you among the saints of God. I'm not finding you living your life that brings glory and honor to me, but you claim to love me. I I hope you're hearing me this morning. And I'm saying to you this, we need to be careful that we tune into God's feelings about our feelings and that our apathy toward the special provisions that God has made for you and me. Oh, did I say apathy? I sure did. I said apathy because many times, the further we get away, the more apathetic we become. And God is aware of our heart, y'all. We talked about that. I introduced that as the second point last week. He is very much aware of what is in our heart and our mind. And God is trying to wake us up and call you and me back home. He's saying, I want to occupy the throne of your heart. Right now, you've gotten on that throne. You've pushed me aside, but I'm telling you that uh, I, I made the way for you to go back because I want to occupy the throne of your heart. Listen, don't miss this. Because of the covenant promise that God had made to their ancestors, You might expect that after he had used King Cyrus to cause these people to be able to return home and especially to rebuild the temple, that God might have said, my people. But the reality is we too often will easily claim and profess faith, but we're not his people because our priorities get turned upside down Wrong side up, right side down, wrong side up. And God is saying to us, If that's the way you feel about me, then I'm going to use a few words to tell you that I recognize your heart. And what did He do? He called them instead of my people, He called them these people. I suspect that you figured this out by now, but but let me bring this home for you just in case you missed it. The expression these people right at the start of Haggai's prophecy tells you and me that there is something wrong in the relationship between the Lord and the inhabitants of Judah or even those who should have been moving back to Judah, but decided that they were going to stay in Babylon. There was a breach in the relationship. And, and I don't know about you, but most of us know something about the sting of words. When when somebody uses a word that makes you uncomfortable, that, that that sticks in your craw, that that upsets you, that embarrasses you, that causes a little pain or a little hurt. That's what God was using when He said, These people. He wanted you to know that he has examined you. He's involved in every part of your life. He knows your heart and he recognizes that you have put him on the shelf. And God is displaying that not only does he recognize it, but he wants his disposition to cause you and me to be uncomfortable so that we would recognize God is calling us back home and he wants first place in our life. I I don't know if y'all are feeling that, but someone may speak or display toward us and let us know that we might be together. But I want you to know that it is easy sometimes to be in the presence of someone, but not be good with them. And God was saying, Even if you're in my presence, I don't have your heart, and we are not good. Listen, I know something about that edgy and frosty feeling, and when you experience it, it is uncomfortable. I really believe that through Hagar, God was trying to make us uncomfortable, saying, "I I I need your heart, I need your attention, The problem shouldn't have been hard for the people to to understand because the Lord was actually quoting their own words. Listen to him in Haggai verse 2. He said, thus speaks the Lord of hosts saying, this people say, then listen to the rest of the verse. The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Man, he set, he set them free, sent them home to build his house. And they got the nerve to tell him the time is not right for me to do what you sent me to do. I got to take care of my own needs first. Listen to the Message Bible. Same verse, Hagar 1 and 2. But I, I just want you to hear this because what he's going to say through the Message Bible All of us are guilty of it, and if the truth be known, we wear it too well. Listen, a message from God of the angel armies. The people procrastinate. I hope you caught that. The people procrastinate. They say this isn't the right time to rebuild my temple. The temple of God man, I, I, I felt that. I, that is a frosty edge, and I don't want that kind of relationship with God. Listen to their explanation. Think about what they were saying to God. Think about the audacity that they had when they said, we know why you sent us, God, but it's not the right time to do what you sent us to do. Listen, let's, let's rehearse for a second. God is more involved in our lives than we'll ever consider. That that means that he understood well what they were doing. That means that he understood their heart. He understood their motivation. And the third point that we said that we're going to discuss, God knows when we are using him and when we are loving him. Man, ask any pastor. Man, churches are filled with folks that will call on the church when they're in need, and we want you to, you should, but then how about spending your life with the Lord, whether you're up or whether you're down? How about understanding that God's not a sugar daddy, that, that really he needs and desires and always intended for us to worship him in the morning, the noonday, and the evening to he wants your worship 24-7. He wants your corporate worship 24-7, 365 days out of the year. We are a family that God wants us to come together to worship and to learn Him, to experience Him, so that we can bring others into that family and they can have victory just as God always planned for you and for me. Now, check this out. In the text, God has set them free. And in our land right now, all around the world, as a matter of fact, freedom is on its way back. COVID is on its way out. Don't know the day day or the hour, but we ought to be getting ready because After a while, whether it's because of the vaccines that many have taken, others said no, or whether it's because of just the fact that God might snap his finger one day and wipe it completely away. However it comes, it's coming. I believe that even if we have to live with it for many generations, it will not have the same impact that it has had upon us our freedom is coming back. But God made safe passage for his people from from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And he wants and will make safe passage for you and me out of this experience that we've had with coronavirus, this virus that has changed our life. God is a provision making God. And, and, and as he makes provisions for us, he wants us to know that he is our very present help in the time of trouble. You may have done all of these things, but God is saying, look, I have been with you every step of the way, and I want you to take my hand. I want you to hold my hand. I want you to understand that you cannot have victorious life without me. I am a 24-7, 365 day of the year God. I I want you to realign your priorities. Bring me back to the top and allow those other things to be underneath because when you put me at the top, I am and always will be your way-making God, your door-opening God. I, I will be the one that will enable you to build a house again. Even when the enemy comes against you and tries to distract you, I'll give you every resource that you need to complete building the house. All I want you to do is get your attention back on me. Focus on why I set you free and I'll bless your life in such a way that you will never have words adequate to talk about what I've done for you. Why? Because I, as your God, am more involved in your life than you will ever know. I know everything about you. Uh, listen, you can slip. other folk. You can even seem sincere to them, but I know your heart. You cannot slick me. I know your commitment level. You cannot think your commitment because commitment has demonstrations that does not require your convenience. Commitment says, I'm in it, even if it is not convenient. We might be able to slick one another. We might use religious fronts, but God knows when we are using them, And when we are loving him, listen, I I used the word earlier and and I I need to go back to that word for just a moment. The word that I used was apathy. And, And we've been away from the church now for over a year and a half. It's easy to become apathetic, but these folk did not feel that they were being either apathetic or selfish. They offered up their explanation for their reason for delaying the building of God's house. And that was, even though it was God's specific instruction to them, even though God had set them free from slavery, building that temple may not have been their immediate priority, but make no mistake about it. Whether it is your priority or not, God does not change his priorities. It is God's priority and his specific instruction to them and to you and me, rebuild the temple, the house where I want to dwell in, the house where when you come, you will experience my presence. Oh, preacher, are you telling me that I cannot experience the presence of God except in the house of God? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that you experience the presence of God when you walk and live in obedience to God. And in this case, God said, restore the temple. If God said, restore the temple, that's where you will get a special presence and and blessing and encounter with God like you will nowhere else, because obedience brings the presence of God. So yeah, you can experience him all around. But the reality is your obedience gives you a special kind of encounter with God. Be specific because his instructions to you are specific. We're coming out of bondage right now, y'all. The bondage that was called COVID-19. We've been experiencing some very, very difficult, some very, very painful things. We have lost many loved ones many have lost jobs and income, and uh, we've lost, some have lost their homes and lost their automobiles, and there we've taken many losses. But God is saying that if we're willing to walk in obedience, he'll restore to us everything that we've lost and even more. Let me get ready to close. I'm going to close. Uh, I'm going through verses three, four, and five very quickly. And then we're going to close this thing out. Verse three. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, "Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses in this house, ways I'm I'm talking to all of us right now. God is saying, reverse the curse that could come upon your life by putting Him down your Priority list: Bring him back up, living in your sealed houses. Part of what that should represent to you and me is that we've gotten our priorities out of order, and it has been more about what we want, what we feel must be accomplished than about what God has requested and required of us. That sealed house, these folk are uh, drop building the temple and let it lay for 14 years while they built their houses and other things that brought them pleasure. And so when we talk about, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses? All I'm saying to you is, get your priorities in order. It's time to return to what God told you to do. Get back in the church, rebuild the temple, and give God first place in your life. Verse 5 Now, thus said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Family, I, I've given you a bunch of illustrations last week and today. Consider your ways. It, it, it's going to be life after the pandemic. We're on our way, it is getting nearer than we might even recognize. Uh, there are all manner of things we're learning how to live in the context with the pandemic, but don't have to be overtaken by the pandemic. And God is saying to you and me, consider your ways. Where am I in your life? Am I number three, two, four, six? I don't know where where he is for you, but God wants to be number one. And he's calling us to bring him back to number one. Oh, you deserve to have a house but do what God told you to do first. You deserve to have nice things, but do what God told you to do first. Consider your ways because your way of thinking can separate you from God. Listen, I don't want God to talk about me like he talked about them. This people or these people is not the description I want to hear from God about me. I want him to call me son. I want him to call me his child. I want him to say to me that my people, my child, my son has been obedient to the things that I called him to do. And it is my pleasure, my delight, my joy to pour out upon my obedient children, the blessing and the favor of heaven. So as we consider life after the pandemic, uh, many have begun to move away from their intimacy with Christ. God is calling you back. It's time, family, to reorder our priorities and put Jesus on the throne of our heart. I'm calling some folk that you might, you might not even be listening today, you might not even be watching in today, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will find you where you are and that he will get this word in your spirit so that you will recognize God loves you with an everlasting love and, and all he asks you to do is return unto him and he said, I will return unto me, unto you. Uh, the Bible says, "That God says, draw near to me. And I'll draw near to you. That's what we're talking about, y'all. Life after the pandemic requires that we draw near to him. And God said he'll draw near to us. Listen, I I, I don't think I need to say another thing about this. You got it. Now it's time for you to do something with it. Uh, Don't sit around trying to figure out how you're going to do it. Do it. Come on home where you belong and make sure that God is first in your life. I'm stopping there. What else should I say? May God bless you and heaven smile upon you and give you peace. And we ask that in Jesus name. Amen. Well. At this time, we always have what we proverbially call opening the doors of the church. What that means is that we're now going to give an opportunity to any person, man, woman, boy or girl, who has never confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. We are inviting you right now to confess Christ and make him Lord of your life. While I'm speaking to those who have never confessed him. And you can know that because if in your mind right now, you cannot clearly answer the question, what would my eternity be if I die? Then you need Jesus Christ, because that's where the answer is. When you have Jesus, you have eternity with God, the father and the son who sits at the right hand of the throne. So I'm speaking to you, but I'm also speaking to any man, woman, boy, or girl who has confessed the Lord Jesus Christ, but you have been part of the ones who stayed back in Babylon. You've been part of the ones who might've come in, but you, you dropped your assignment to take care of your own affairs. And that means that you're in a backslidden condition and it's time to get right with God and do it now, I'm talking to you and I'm inviting you right now to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're about to pray and as I pray, we're gonna pray a sinner's prayer, then we're gonna include the word of God that that offers God's plan of salvation. I invite you, I encourage you, I implore you to stretch your hand out towards your device bow your head, close your eyes, and pray with me as we lead you into salvation. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand before you today uh, at recognizing that I have never truly given my life to you. I need you, Lord. I, I, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I realize that there are too many areas in my life that do not honor and bless you, God. And so I confess my fault, my sins before you right now. And I ask you to forgive me and to come into my heart and make me brand new. I want to live a life that brings glory and honor to you, God. And so I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible teaches That if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved. So I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe in my heart that you, God, have raised him from the dead. And I thank you right now for the salvation that you are dropping upon me that I might be made brand new through my life in Jesus Christ. God, I bless you. And I praise you for this salvation right now in Jesus name, amen, amen, and amen. Well,